I've got a story. I've got a story. A regular read of the latest LGBT plus trends, TV, and the ever-expanding world of drag. Hello there, I'm the Velvet Snatch, and this episode I'm joined by our delicious thotter, Stew. Hey! Our Zadalicious Zaddy, Michael. Buongiorno! <laughs> and she worked on a ship once, but she doesn't really like to mention it, our very own Downtown Abbey, Scott. Ahoy there, matey! <laughs> aye, aye, Captain. <laughs> and from Downtown Abbey to today's extra special guest, Drag Race Royalty from Season 10 onwards and Silver-Tongued Songstress, The Vixen. Hello there. Hey, hey. <laughs> How are you doing? Are you enjoying yourself? Yeah, I'm having a good time. <laughs> How's lockdown been for you? It's been good. I'm in the... I'm in the uh... I've gone from self-care to self-help phase. So I started working out. I just got back from the gym. So I, I still feel good. Got endorphins flowing. Well, good, for, good for you, man. Keeping up the gym. I I have not kept that. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're all closed for us at the moment. But, uh, you know, True. but you can still do it in your home. I mean, I, I, I have it where, you know, when you exercise and you feel better, like you have a better day when you exercise in the morning. If you just do 20 minutes of like yoga or like just running on the spot or something. Yeah. And then and then it's really hard. Then you still have days where you can't get out of bed or where you're like, oh, I'll just have another lie in, even though I know it'll be, you know, it'll ruin the day. Yeah, that's definitely where I am now. <laughs> I've, I've had enough days where I feel good after working out that if I don't work out, I feel guilty. Mm. <laughs> I don't quite get that. I'm at the stage right now where, because it's really cold and snowy and horrible here at the minute, that I much prefer to get on the couch with the dogs, with a blanket, and watch Desperate Housewives. <laughs> that sounds yes. a lot more fun. Yeah. The difference is you yeah, have a it's... full drinks cabinet. <laughs> exactly. That sounds great. Yeah, Cheers here in Chicago, it's, it's very snowy and cold here in Chicago, too. Mm. And it gets really, it gets dark really fast. So I forced myself to wake up early because I, if, you know, just got to get some sunlight out of the day. Mm. So I forced myself to get up early, and then I usually still procrastinate for about two hours and then i do a morning stretch and i'm lucky i have a gym in my building so i go and i don't do much i just run on the elliptical machine and then maybe lift a little bit but um mm. it makes me feel like i did something for the day speaking of um things been locked down and stuff that very sparkly backdrop behind you how long has that been there since lockdown like wh when was it put how many months ago was that put up oh so i um i've been i've been back home since june i I started quarantine at my mother's house in Louisiana, and I turned her guest bedroom into a full-on drag studio. So I have Amazing. giant backdrops and ring lights and all of these things. So this is the current backdrop. I also have a green screen and a white screen for project for projection. But today is black sequence. That's been my um, theme for February. <laughs> okay, I like that. That's good. That's good. <laughs> How have you adapted to, you know, because a lot of queens that were so used to doing live work and cabaret work and whatnot, like have had to change to having online shows and stuff. And a lot of people have kind of struggled with it. How have you found it? Um, it actually came really easy to me, I think, uh, because I was one of the queens who auditioned a lot for Drag Race. So I was very used to making audition tapes and videos. So um making music videos for performances kind of came easy because I'm very used to editing. Mm. Uh, and so it really it helped me bring out an old skill I hadn't had to use in a while. And um, I definitely boned up and learned some new tricks and editing and projection and green screen is something yeah. that um, I didn't know how to do before, but now I love it. It's so much easier to create a background in post than it is to build a set i started like just building these elaborate sets for every performance yeah. and i'm like oh no i can just paste that in later <laughs> it's much better much better do it in post do it in post mm -hmm. no it's the one thing i think i would have struggled with had i been doing stuff like the ur during this particular moment in time because I, as much as I can surf the internet, go on YouTube, all that kind of stuff, when it comes to like actually producing, cutting, editing stuff, I may as well be my grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> like, no idea. 
it's fun, but it's very time consuming. Um, you know, if you go to a, a regular gig, you know, you throw a couple outfits in your suitcase and you hop on stage. Um, it usually takes me about three days to complete a project. And it's um, one of those days is just editing. And that's a full 24 hour day of just eating, <laughs> eating and editing. It is, it's, it's really scary to think about because I've got to do performances at the moment. And it puts me off knowing that I can do all of the filming within like half a day or, you know, like and do all this stuff. But then I'm like, oh, but then I've got to lose like a week, you know, doing all this editing. And, and it, you know, yeah. and you just want to get back to a stage and be like, oh, cool. I went on stage and then 10 minutes later, that's me done. And I don't need to worry about anything else. <laughs> yeah. And on stage, if it goes well, it goes well and great. And you hope somebody videotaped it. And if it goes bad, then fine. But <laughs> you, editing, you have the privilege and the discomfort of, micromanaging every second of the video yeah. <laughs> and um it can it can get very intense for me i'm i'm already a control freak so <laughs> did you record your latest album in uh, lockdown then oh um half of it so i had ever since i got back from filming drag race i've been working on music and like i said i'm a control freak so there were some songs that i just was not pleased with the beat or the mix or something and I had mm. been um, you know just being perfectionist about every little detail and then this past summer Lollapalooza asked me to perform and to give a 15 minute set and it gave me a reason to finish the album and like say okay it has to be done by this time yeah. so I, I let go of some of the um, worrying and just put out what I felt was ready because that's it because you released a tea party as a single in 2018 wasn't it and then obviously it yeah. kind of appears on the album in 2020 like you know <laughs> did you find yourself still playing with it you know even after it was a single yeah i we even <laughs> put a remix on the album because i was like you know what it would be really great if lucy stool was on this song <laughs> and so i'm glad you did because it makes it like just even better than it already was she you. knows how to Thank remix you. a track yeah <laughs> she's good <laughs> her voice is great it's it's so soothing it? it's great for tracks yeah and when it comes to Tea Party, so I've got a question about that, is that when you are writing it and naming it, is it simply called Tea Party because it's kind of like a play on tea, which is obviously a drag word, or is it actually a little bit more politically motivated in, in, <laughs> like, in terms of things like the revolution and stuff like that? Because we know that you're quite a politically minded queen as well. So is yeah. there any... I wish that there was, but there really isn't. Uh, <laughs> tea, tea Party is a, it's, it's a really magical song because I wrote it about, oh God, almost 10 years ago when I was, you know, newly like 21 and just imagining the type of person I wanted to be in the club and the kind of queen I wanted to be. I barely started drag. And I was just talking about like being this bad bitch and doing these things. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. I, <laughs> One of the lines I say, Vixen been tripping, I think she on acid. I had never touched a drug. You know, just like, <laughs> just literally, just no idea what I was talking about. And then a couple years later, I was at a tea dance, which is kind of like a like a day circuit party kind of thing. And I was standing on top of a, a go-go box and performing. And tea party came back into my head. And I was like, oh, my God, I did it. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I so love that. it's... It's kind of cool that, like, uh, yeah, about 10 years ago, I um, had a prophecy about who I was going to be, and here I am. <laughs> That's amazing. That yeah. makes me like the song even more, because, like, it's a good track. Yeah, so I know that it's, I like, did, 10 I years in the making. I didn't change any of the lyrics. I didn't change anything about it from the first time I wrote it, and I'm exactly that person. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, as well, when you listen to the album, there's, like, one song that stood out for me because it was, like, so different to the rest of the album, and it had this lovely, like, solely kind of jazzy, feel to it and that was we mm -hmm. um how did that come about we is pretty much the most personal song on the album uh it's about my ex-boyfriend and um he's like kind of pretty much been there with me throughout my whole drag career up until the year after drag race we split up and it um it doesn't really match the album but it felt right to kind of acknowledge the journey that we went on in the span of my career as well because the album really does kind of touch on different aspects of my career and um, my love life was one of them and so having a person there who was very supportive and he, at one point he was my assistant and all of these things um, it felt right to 
acknowledge that and include it because it's a part of my journey. And um, that's why in the song, in We, I say, I'm afraid if I don't stay, you're going to say that I'm ungrateful. Uh, because he really did. He helped. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have made it without him. He really helped me get to this point. And it's his favorite song on the album, so I'm glad I did something yeah. right. <laughs> I like albums that finish with a kind of melancholy song because it kind of brings you back to this, you know, obviously we've got the remix of Tea Party afterwards, but it's, I like it that it ends the album with this kind of very personal note because the album is about yourself. You know, it's, you know, as much as a good album it is, it's the fact of this is the vixen in musical form. Yeah, thank you. I, um, yeah, every song is a different aspect of me, but um, through the lens of my drag. And I think we more so touches on like my human everyday life and um, the behind the curtain experience. So that's why the music is very stripped down and there's a lot of instruments, but it's not, you know, a dancey synthesized kind mm. of thing. And um, there's not a lot of layers, it's not a lot of harmony. We just wanted to, I just wanted to say what I wanted to say to him. Uh, I'm not going to talk about my favorite just yet, but I just wanted to point out the the how good the track Magic is. It's like it's so smooth. It's so you know it's you know I really like listening to it. But it's the fact of like I love the sentiment of it, where it's like you know you shouldn't I don't know be some someone you're not in order to please someone else. Like you don't need to conform in order to be successful. I mean, like it's got the lyric um what was it uh, a land for queens where we don't compete like. Is that a criticism of anything in particular? Or... <laughs> um, <laughs> Subtle no, hint. definitely, yeah. So Magic is, and I love that you brought that up, uh, Magic is uh, the one song that I wrote kind of in post. I wrote it after I was asked to do Lollapalooza. Um, and I had been stewing on the lyrics, I can go where I want, baby. Copacabana, do what I want, baby, abracadabra. You know that my people come from Louisiana. And I like had that in my head for a while. And I was like, damn, that's good. And then when they finally asked me to do a lot of Palooza, I was like, I have to finish this song. So it's the only song that I wrote in 2020. Yeah, so for me, it was like Black Girl Magic has really been like the bulk of my work post Drag Race. And so I was like, if I'm going to present Black Girl Magic to Lollapalooza, which is a very huge music festival in Chicago, um, then I want to showcase the girls, but I want to have a song that allows me to do that in a way that is beautiful and exciting. And so if I if I could make a theme song for Black Girl Magic, that would be it. While, um, while, you, while we're talking about the Magic track, um, I know you've got a music video for it as well. Yes. How how was it filming that? Because it looks really fun. I mean, you you've got a whole bunch of people there as well, uh, and you're all very scantily dressed and just living <laughs> your best lives, basically. How how was that to film? Like, how, what was the process of that? It was really fun. Um, we were at a point in quarantine where we didn't know what was safe and what was not. Um, mm -hmm. So we kind of had like the honor system of, okay, I don't feel sick. You don't feel sick. Okay, we're going to come over and rehearse. Uh, and then, okay, everybody still feels good. And so we were able to um, shoot Circuit Mom Productions is a great uh, production studio here. And they helped me build a set and we kind of made our own little like fairy layer and we um mm. i wanted everybody to just like you know because it's black girl magic so just celebrate your skin so i said just wear long hair and we'll get oiled up and we'll wear sequin <laughs> um towels around us and uh it just was a chance for <laughs> yeah that that overhead lingering shot of you all in the in the golden what did you call them Oh, um, just, it's just a gold sequin fabric, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, so you're all draped in the fabric, and you're all looking up, and you can see all of the um, all of the faces, and everyone's different. It's 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 really nice. It's really good. Yeah, thank you. I was hoping it's kind of a um, a throwback to a Destiny's Child album cover. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was when I was first um, discovering what I could do with green screen. So we um, so we we're laying on top of a green screen. It was pretty fun. Yeah, I, I see you've got um, four of the videos as well from the album. So were they all kind of made at the same time? Yeah, I had a I had a Beyonce Lemonade moment and I um, <laughs> recorded four or five videos. I want okay, so there's Tea Party, um, Magic, mm -hmm. Chicago, and I, I should know my own songs. Um, what was the fourth? Oh, it's happening. Yeah, it's happening. So there's four music videos that I did and we recorded in about... We were filmed in maybe one week. I spent about a week of preparing. Back and I spent, to back. Um, yeah, back to back. Oh, four shit. videos in one week. 
And then I, I spent a week, you know, preparing, sewing things and finishing my recordings. And then I spent about four days editing every video, nonstop. Oh, you edited them? I edited every video myself with oh, no sweet. sweet. <laughs> um, oh. by, by the day that it actually came out, I was like a pile of mush. I was so, <laughs> so tired, <laughs> but very, very happy. <laughs> If I had I let anyone else edit, I would have so many notes. You know, no matter yeah. what they did first, you know, there would be a second draft. And so when I do it, there's only one draft because I know what I want. <laughs> so. Having done all of this, are you worried about when you do need to work, when when you can work with an editor again and then you just go, oh, bollocks, <laughs> you know, now I need to delegate. And <laughs> Well, I, I have pretty much never delegated. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I am a control freak. I, even with my music, I have... A, when I record, I have a producer and an engineer in the room, but I'm calling all the shots, really. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, uh, uh, they're there. The engineer knows how to do what I want. The producer can add ideas. But at the end of the day, I I come in with a very clear vision. Also, because you don't want to waste time in a recording studio because you're paying you know, by the hour. So I like to come in knowing exactly what I want and just getting it done. You mentioned Chicago. Obviously, it's one of the videos that you filmed. That for me is quite a quite a raw sort of song about like you know growing up in America as a black person. Yeah. I just want how was that to record because it's it's quite a like personal narrative or at least that's how I interpreted it and it's really good because there's going to be so many thousands of millions of people out there who can relate to that. Like, yeah. What was that like? Like going into into a studio and just recording something so real. It was it was really really fun and very cathartic. But um, it was uh, it was my first time working with the producer and the engineer that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so um, you know, despite what people may think, when you first meet me, I'm you know I'm a little quiet. I'm uh, <laughs> you know shy. So I come in and I'm like, oh hi, nice to meet you. Yes, I have this track. And then he sets me up in the booth and puts on the earmuffs, and I'm like, Southside, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so it was very fun to see the producer's reaction like oh okay this is... so it was really great though because uh the people that i work with also have chicago roots so they really um enjoyed it and related to it i have my producer's name is mike jones which is and he's a hearty straight white man from uh, <laughs> uh kansas city and then um i have a filipino engineer who's very hip-hop and also straight and so it was cool for me to see that this song didn't have to play to a gay audience that like you know straight men actually hear this song and think oh those lyrics are really good or oh that beat mm. is nice and so um and i my favorite is i know that i have uh 10 brothers and sisters and i have a plethora of cousins and nieces and nephews and it's their favorite song and so it's like um for you know me to be presenting my music as a drag queen um to have a song that still resonates with um you know the south side and straight people and you know my my tough brothers uh that was i'm very proud of it it's great because obviously you've got that side of it and then anybody who watches drag race immediately goes bitch i'm from chicago yeah and it's like it's such a it's such a good mixture of music to me um yeah, yeah I, I, that's one of my favorites on the album not gonna lie um I, that was the that was the first one when i gave it the first listen that one went straight in my playlist my oh yeah playlist. that's going in there because it's just it's just raw and beautiful to me Thank you. Yeah, I really wanted to, um, I wanted to be able to kind of align, you know, the quotes that you know of me from Drag Race with my like real life experience. I say, you know, like they poke at us and call it a test. Bitch, go have your cigarette. And so it yeah, kind yeah. of like. <laughs> <laughs> I lived for that. We have that on uh, the track with Dida where it's um, you're just kind of getting all of the references out at once kind of thing. And it's actually quite a funny little segue into, what is it? It goes into Give a Bitch a Break and then it goes into yeah. Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dina is one of those queens that I first met when I started drag. And so she's a perfect example of um, like a Chicago queen experience. And like the, um, you know, we've all been through the rigmarole of like dealing with bars and dealing with, um, you know, covers and fees and being in a dressing room and like everything's chaotic. And so give a bitch a break is really about, you know, like the working, the working queen and, um, you know, uh, you know, just, you know, just girls are just trying to make a dollar. We're just trying to clock out like everybody else. 
Uh, <laughs> was the music like intended? Because what I found with it is that basically the music is kind of it's uneasy. It's got those like queasy kind of bells, and it's got this kind of drunken feel to it. And the pro and with the lyrics, I was kind of imagining it's that you know we've all had it where it's you're a bit drunk at the end of the night and you're trying to get your money out of this bloody promoter who's you know <laughs> you yeah. know he's hiding in a cupboard somewhere and you're just like exactly. come on. Was yeah, that intentional and, uh, or am I just making that? No, up? you're spot on. Um, I remember telling the producer. I was like, I want it to feel like a strip club. I want it to feel, you know, like I want you to think of like dollars falling when you hear the music. And that's why we had strippers in the video. And um, me, Lucy and Dita have traveled quite a bit. And there's been quite a few altercations where I should say instances or altercations where um, <laughs> where, you know, like where a promoter didn't want to pay us or tried to, you know, shirk us from paying us what they owed us. Mm. And I had to, you know, I had to vixen up on them. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> That's it, because so you're from Chicago. No yeah, one wants exactly. to be on the receiving end of that. No one needs to be on the receiving end of that. <laughs> but it makes yeah, yeah. great TV. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Great TV. And sh here in Chicago, we kind of had to build, you know, like our own union of Chicago queens who were demanding to be paid and who we're demanding, you know, more than just a drink ticket. And uh, it took, you know, it takes some camaraderie amongst the queens to say, hey, I'm not going to take this. You shouldn't take yeah. that. And there's always some young girl who's willing to do it for less. But uh, um, I think when you're looking for quality, you'll, you'll pay for it. Well, yeah, that's, what's the saying? If you if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. So if you don't <laughs> like pay people properly, then you're not going to get the best, are you? Exactly, yeah. So. I love the idea of a drag queen union, by the way. Yeah, we kind of have it here in Chicago now. We have um, we, now we started the Chicago Black Drag Council. I love that name as well. <laughs> that is, yeah, the, the that has to have a logo. It needs a badge. Yeah, oh. it's a, it's a. We're a very intimidating bunch. Um, the bars are quite, you know, with everything going on with the Black Lives Matter movement, the bars are quite um, at our beck and call at this point. <laughs> as they should be. Yes. <laughs> Promoters quaking in their boots as they hear the click clack of the heels of the council just walking into the room. <laughs> That's it. And to be fair, Chicago is also like known on and off drag race for having mm. uh, a really diverse and very strong drag scene as well. Yeah, and it, it's queens like Lucy Stuhl and Dita Ritz and um, Bambi Banks, uh, who are my main girls, who, um, you know, have really like, you know, just put in the work and put in the ethics and but also like stood for what they deserve that has kind of led to a good uh, strong culture and i think it takes having a scene that cares about its reputation we always say chicago is you know kind of known for its like fights but typically if there's a if there's a scuffle in the chicago drag scene it's typically someone new moved here and they didn't obey the rules <laughs> <laughs> My favorite song on the album, which I think is probably the most political, is like Air Unicorns. I I love this song. Like, but it, you know, because it, it's got the line, like, end up in jail for looking like you look. And you're like, that's a mood and a half. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you say that you wrote most of the album before 2020. And, you know, but it's even out of the context of, you know, what happened in 2020 with the Black Lives Matter movement. I mean, and the unfairness of how black people are treated in society, like all of us LGBT types can relate in some way to, yeah. you know, being persecuted simply because of how you look. Yeah, definitely. Um, so Unicorns is very special because I wrote it in high school. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So I was in high school, we were doing a play called Twilight, which was um, about the Rodney King riots. So very, mm. um, very similar to what's going on today. We we're doing a play about the Rodney King riots, but most of the cast was from my high school show choir. So we kind of begged to do a song. We really wanted to do a song for mm. the play, but it, it was just a straight play. And so I came up with the lines, thought it was the land of the free, my brother. Guess they wasn't saying it to me, my brother. <laughs> and... Um, and so, um, yeah, I've just kind of built on that over the past 20, 15 years. Um, so, um, uh, so, yeah, Unicorns is, I. It, it's not the most um, pop song on the album, not the most, I knew it wouldn't be the most popular, but I knew that it was the most pertinent to what was going on. What does Unicorns mean in the context of the song? Because I was wondering, is it is it for like black gay people? Is it just black people in general? Or am I way off the mark with it? 
Oh yeah, I guess I I guess I never really spelled that out. I need to do a video for unicorns because that would really help sell the image. <laughs> it's gonna be um, a lot of editing. So I, yeah. <laughs> oh god. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the line is, they just want to be unique. They just want to be unicorns. Ah, and um, right. and so um, it's basically kind of about cultural appropriation and um, just white people doing everything that they can to be other just finding some minority about themselves so that they <laughs> so that they can be a part of the minority conversation they just want to be unique they just they're just looking for a way to be on the other side of the conversation well i mean you can see, you can see that happening at this very moment in time so if you, oh, yeah. you look at people who are like wearing masks they, they'll they'll do anything to yeah. be like i'm getting discriminated against and it's well it's not discrimination actually right so, yeah but the, i fully understand that reference to saying that like there's people that will do anything to kind of fit into a minority when actually yeah. it's, it's not your time sit down like yeah exactly yeah. it's like with all of the great things that comes with privilege you also have to answer for your privilege and that's the last thing that a privileged person wants to do is admit that they have privilege yeah so i find i find a lot of people trying to align themselves with some sort of minority group so that they can say that they're also being oppressed <laughs> and um yeah. that's what unicorns is you're just you just want to be a unicorn so bad <laughs> yeah because the problem is that we have so many like you know where we're looking at everything like we're even looking at stuff like you know the black lives matter movement in the from the sense of going oh yeah but how do white people feel about this and you know yeah and and it's the idea of going well we can't really talk about it we you know we like as a white person i can't really talk about how a black person feels in you know the context of america or in the context of the uk yeah. so the all i can do is use my privilege to kind of step aside and be like and listen to this person who does know what they're talking exactly. about and the sad part is is if you are a person who's in a position of power and privilege instead of making yourself a minority so that you can complain as well use yeah. your privilege use your privilege to solve the problem that's <laughs> that's the point of having you know power is to do something good with it but i think a lot of people would rather give up their power so that they can also complain you know mm. growing up there was a million things that i did or didn't do because i was like well one day you might want to run for president mm. and it was in the last four years i had started doing all those things i didn't do because i was like i do not want to be president ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, with, with an example like that you don't want to be you, it's something you don't want to be involved with really yeah and um, i think politics today are just such a thing and especially after you know experiencing being in the public eye on drag race i'm like the less thing i want is to be under more scrutiny and more rigmarole and so i you know like that's why now that's why i was not shy and was able to do only fans because i was like well i'm never going to run for president so here look at my dick i don't care <laughs> <laughs> live your best life so when you when you first came into Drag Race, your kind of opening uh, tagline was, uh, "I just I'm here to fight. I came to fight." Um, Did I say that? Did you say that? I said that. You said yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it's iconic. Fuck <laughs> 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 Drag Race. Do you know what? For a second there, I was genuinely questioning <laughs> my Drag Race knowledge. Um, That's the first. I was just watching season ten the other day as well, so I yeah. I know this. We have it fresh in your mind. Yeah. Nathan. Yeah. I mean, I to did... be fair, I've, I've watched it about fifty times uh, since it yeah. came out. So mm. yeah. I have not. I have not. I, I, <laughs> what? I, I tried to watch and I, I could not get past the first episode because just knowing everything that was coming was so, so much anxiety for me. That At I, least I watch the episode where you win, though. I, I've gotten to that point, but even in that episode, they, they ended it so well to look like I'm going to fail the whole time. Mm. And then it's just at the end that it flips. Yeah. So, um, I mean, so it's, it's very tense. I remember the first, when the show first aired, that second episode that I went, my mom was calling me frantically because she's like, what is going to happen? She was so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was like the, the moment. So uh, when you, what, the, the kind of meme worthy moment where you were like too vague to Aquaria, everyone like fully was from what I read online and watching everyone was like fully behind you. Cause at that very moment in time, you were like, I'm not here for any bullshit. Um, yeah. Was, was what we saw in that moment on television actually how it all kind of happened? Yeah. Um, so it was just kind of flabbergasting because, you know, when we were first sitting down to do our makeup and ironically enough at the makeup station, me, Aquaria and Eureka had decided to sit together. 
because because <laughs> what could go wrong? Um, Choices. Because <laughs> you so, hadn't seen um, the rest of the season yet. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and so we all sat together, and Aquaria was the one who said, "Like, oh my God, turn around! There's like Crackers doing the same makeup as me." And then in Untucked, you know, she like brought it up and like was saying, you know, Monet asked her like, "Are you bothered?" And she says, "I'm kind of bothered." And then we get to the moment where she's in front of Miss Cracker and she goes, well, someone brought up that you were doing the same makeup. No, not someone. You brought up that she was doing the same makeup. And she's like, but I'm not bothered. No, no, no. 20 minutes ago, you were very bothered. Um, you know, because it's split between two episodes, but we, we were just in Untucked, and then they walk us oh, yeah. to the next room, and suddenly it's not a big deal. Yeah. And um, <laughs> for me, it was just kind of frustrating because, you know, I was on Aquarius' side. She had convinced me that this was an issue and that, you know, Cracker had this ill intention of, like, copying her. And I had met Ms. Cracker before the show, too, and so I thought well of her, and then I was convinced, like, oh, Cracker's bad. She's copying Aquaria. We're going to get her. Not my girl. And then, so here it comes, and Aquarius like, oh, no, nothing, no, no, no. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You got me all riled up. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's not an issue. No, no, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it right now. <laughs> she got your I moral compass pointing straight up. And then yeah. let you, let you blue balled you with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but the, the funniest thing um, is that when she first started, lying to Cracker's face, I looked at Eureka and was like, girl, that's not what happened. And Eureka is the one who was like, say something. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> so from day one, I have been set up mm. to fail by those two. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mean like Eureka had like a bit of a tumultuous roller coaster of a relationship. Um, once again, like w- when things on television are kind of half true, half half edited and half produced, like what what was your relationship actually like when you were together? Oh, so yeah, like I was saying, me, Eureka, Mayhem, and Aquaria kind of, um, I guess, saw each other as like stiff competition. Like we were like, oh yeah, we're we kind of like really believed in each other that we would do well. So that's why we yeah. sat together doing the makeup because we're like, we're going to be here for a while. Let's like, so we kind of clicked up. And seeing that now with um with Candy Muse, it's, it's not working to her best advantage on Drag Race, but you're seeing, you know, drama gets airtime. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. as well, relating to Candy Muse, it's like last year there was like some uh, Instagram uh, lives that were going ahead where they were kind of like dishing it out and I think that I think people have then potentially that the producers and stuff of the show have kind of seen that that was a thing and that's how she can be and I think sometimes yeah. they kind of guide her into being in that position yeah oh yeah. I, I I knew exactly what was happening when Candy like kind of first popped off because when I had that too vague moment with Aquaria, when we all went back to our station, three cameras followed me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I have done it now. <laughs> and That's so it's cement, almost, it's almost encouraging you to be bad. You know, it's like, yeah. you, oh, you yeah. kind of like, you're like, okay, well, well, I want the camera time. And it seems like the producers like what I'm doing. So I guess I'll keep doing it. But it's it takes um, kind of like divine intervention for you to know when to flip the switch. And um, I think in this last episode, Candy has kind of like flipped the switch and calmed down. So I'm happy for her. But she's like, she's kind of taking the note and like, okay, I don't need to do that every yeah. day. Yeah. Well, since we're on the topic of uh, season 13, uh-huh. uh, who, who are the queens that you're watching this season? Oh, I am obsessed obsessed with simone mm, um, just, yeah. uh, i just i flabbergastedly obsessed up uh, simone and taste are like on my oh. on my altar we'll get on a taste we'll get on yeah. to taste trust, <laughs> yeah, we'll get on. trust um and then of course i'm like i'm very happy for denali kimura has mm-hmm. already um you know, uh, but my Chicago queen, so Kamora and Denali. Candy, I've known um, from the House of Aja way before season nine, Um, so I'm rooting for for Candy as well. Um, 
yeah, and all the girls are very, very likable. Um, because if I if I go on, I'm gonna name everyone. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think uh, the good thing for me this year as well was uh, you always kind of feel bad for the first person to go because you never really get to see what they can do. And I think that this year, the, a lot of people were bored, like, oh my god, send someone home already. But I think what <laughs> the th- one thing that it did do was offer the opportunity to see more than just one side of a queen. So I really think, I think that it was great that they, um, you know, kept the girls for a couple episodes and um, got let us learn everybody and kind of understand, like, what the queens were giving. But I think we're due for about a double elimination at this point. Yeah. There's there's just too many girls, and I'm, I'm ready to get to the nitty-gritty of the competition. Um, I think Same. a double elimination would be good at this point. <laughs> I, think, I think it would inject a bit of drama as well. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. As long as, it, as long as it's not Olivia, because I love Olivia right now. I love Olivia. She's so Olivia kind. is in. If I, I'm not gonna. I don't want to spoil anything. I don't oh, know honey. anything. But Olivia is my projected top four. Olivia and Simone are in Same. the top four. Yeah. Uh, if Simone, if Simone doesn't win at this point, I'm gonna be mad. Yeah, not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I love a lot of them, but she's my outright current winner. It almost feels like Simone is in a different competition. Like mm-hmm. she's like. Like I, Simone's like, Drag Race. <laughs> yeah, she, it's like she just looks so good all of the time. All the time. Everything yeah. she does. You want her to have a bad look, just so you can be like, oh, she's human. I don't. You know, I don't. I, I, I'm I don't, fine with her not I, being human. I feel like I feel like she's not gonna have have to lip sync for her life at any point until the very end. I think she's gonna, you know, sail straight through. Um, I don't know. I think we might have a Brooklyn Heights moment where there's like so so good. Then one week she dips, and then it's straight back up. And I yeah. think it, oh, no. it might it might not even be that she's that bad. It'll just be for the drama. For the drama, yeah. yeah. But she will um, not. There's no way she'll leave. No yeah. way on this. No I always find it a bit of a shame when you get a queen who's so good that they never have to lip sync. So you go through the whole season without being like, oh, I don't know how good you are in a lip sync for your life because you've never actually yeah. been in the bottom. So yeah, that's why I'm glad that they do the like musicals and performances. So we still get a chance to see them perform, just yeah. not under the crazy stakes because um i felt that way about shake poulet in season nine i thought that she was good enough that she didn't need to be in the bottom i think they just really wanted to send nina home and no one had been able to send nina home at that point <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. um but it was sad because then it put a it put a besmirk on shay's track record right mm. um didn't make a difference because she i'm glad she didn't win season nine because she needed to be an all-star like i wanted it, i wanted the extra season of Shay. like at the time i was like Damn it, she deserved it. But then I was like, no, because she comes back. Yeah, this is, and that's better. Yeah, and she came back even stronger and even more undefeatable. She yeah. she is one of the most beautiful, talented creatures. Not even just for RuPaul's Drag Race, just to walk the earth. Absolutely. I love her. I love her a lot. And I think the queens that were there for All Stars must have about shat themselves when she walked. Through. Like when oh, they yeah. walked in, and she was there, like, hey, they'd be like, fuck, I may as well go home. Yeah, I would I would have made a U-turn just in and out. <laughs> yeah. While we're talking about people coming back, have you watched the latest episode of you uh, Drag Race UK? Uh, no, I just saw the clips of the uh, um, UK hunt, uh, <laughs> yeah. which I thought was really really good, but I haven't I haven't seen the episode yet. It's kind of hard for us to uh, watch it here. Mm. Oh yeah, have you heard you're the lucky track, though. I heard, I've heard the track. It's very good. I was about to say. As a musician yourself, what do you think? I, I, was it produced by MNEK? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love, I love, I love them too. MNEK is really, really good. Um, mm. I really liked, of course, I lived for Taze, Taze's verse, and um, Bimini's verse is very, very good as yes. well. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember in the second group, I can't remember which verse stood out for me, but that, I think, I think Tia. the first group really. Yeah. Like, so I, Tia's verse was very good. Yeah, I, 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 I was watching it and I was like, oh, it's so obvious that Tia's group is well. Um, Joe Black's group is going to win because it's like you know they're they're a girl group they seem to get on really really well and then when it came to it you were like well you failed at that and that wasn't brilliant <laughs> uh, you know so, yeah. and it was a bit of a shame because you know like because you had people like Tace and Bimini just stepping up like stepping up to the yeah. plate and just knocking down the park and then you had kind of Tia propping up the other group I felt the whole group mm. yeah you it, it's not enough to just be one strong verse if it's going to be mm. you need two quarterbacks <laughs> oh yeah. yeah 
Yeah. I love that you could hear Bimini's accent and voice throughout the whole track, even in the like um, ensemble bits. You could just hear it, and you just like, oh, yeah. yep, there's Bimini. Same. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for it. I, I absolutely like Bimini was a slow burner for me, but I, mm. I'm rooting for her now completely. Oh, yes. oh yeah. Amazing. I think actually Bimini for me is like the under, apart from my first look for Nottingham. Um, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Uh, she's like the understated kind of yeah. like fashionista of this yeah. season. Oh, yeah. When she did the, the blue dress and then mm-hmm. when she came on in uh, at the sea look, it was just so, like yeah. divine. Yeah. Everything that was fabulous. I yeah. love that. I, uh, the, the, week, the looks this week, it was a really fun challenge, I think. But for me, when Tace walked onto that runway, oh. I, I, I paused it. I just paused it for a second to take it in because... Yeah, I, I, did, I just scrolled. I scrolled through on the Drag Race uh, BBC Instagram to see all the girls' looks, and it's like, you know, everybody's kind of campy with the is mm. it the fish and chip, the chips with yeah. the ketchup? Oh, yeah, that was a common theme, which I thought was you know unique and interesting. But when Taste came around that corner, it was like, uh-huh. oh, why would you do anything else? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I love Joe Black's uh, outfit. Like I love the you know like yeah. the, the theatrics it so of it. Good. I laughed I... so ferociously when he walked around that corner. Yeah, <laughs> you know when he's like blowing across the stage. It's it's just a shame mm. that like that was the only good thing he did that episode. Yeah. which is horrible mm. to say, but it's the fact of you know you know he was in my um he was in my top four when we uh you know looked at the introducing the queens and we said who oh, who are we going to win and i have no one left in the competition i just want to point that out thank you veronica for getting covid um <laughs> and i didn't know about that you all knew about that i'm assuming uh, ahead of time well, and then i, I sort of watched I didn't the episode want to say anything. i watched the episode on like friday and i was like that's why they were laughing because <laughs> yeah. i have no one in the competition anymore um, to be fair if if she hadn't went home with covid i think she would have gone far well fingers so... crossed for next season can i carry it on to next season just as a Abs- i mean we'll start again <laughs> yeah you can keep her you can it, keep her but i was like i was really excited for joe black because the the he's someone that i knew well before the competition and i had no doubts about his talent mhm i don't and think anyone's just... got, got doubts about his talent though it's That's... just he's not a drag race performer like joe black is so he's not a competition kind of drag queen mm, he yeah. he is there's nobody that i know in this country that does joe black and does that thing yeah. he's just released his own line of gin for christ's sake which <laughs> i don't know anyone else in the drag world that's released their own alcohol there's a lot of really great queens that aren't great drag race queens like drag race is mm. a has a specific lens and a specific idea of what drag is and you know you're being judged by these producers standards and um, you have to be able to play the game in their way i mean i came into the show knowing what they wanted and just not willing to give it to them (laughs) 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 um and i think there's i think there's some queens like i think shay is a really good example of someone who knows what they want and gives and gives the people what they want and you know, and it it works beautifully, and we enjoy to watch it. Um, I think it's okay to not be a drag race queen. Like um, season seven of U.S. Drag Race, um, so many of the queens who got like slammed in the season went on to be wildly successful afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's it. It's good, you know, and it's good that they've had this platform. The same with Ginny Lemon, where the fact of you know they're, they're not yeah. drag race queens, but they've mm-hmm. been able to have that that audience that now you know everyone's going to be like looking at what they're doing and following them and yeah so you touched on it for a second before about the fish and chips but horror and sisters outfits when they both came around that corner wearing the same fish and chips wrapped in newspaper i was shook i was shook i was quaking I, i i didn't know like what 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 would you have done if someone came out when a ripoff of your outfit, basically? Well, did you know that if you um, take a can of hairspray with a lighter, <laughs> you can just incinerate something? Oh, you say, oh, mm-hmm. you're so mm-hmm. pragmatic, <laughs> so creative. Because yeah, they, I mean, they even said that um, she was going to do Pamela Anderson. Though. Yeah, Pamela Anderson number. Like a Baywatch well, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Red, red swimsuit, big blonde wig, big busty boobs. But then they had that seven month break, and then obviously sister came back with a new outfit, new teeth, a new face, 
knew everything. And that apparently. same hair. Just <laughs> um, continuity, dear. Continuity. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, you spend a lot of money, and then, and then that's the decoration, right? Yeah. <laughs> the oh shade. Do we think that it was a copy? Because I'm kind of in yes. the court of going. Maybe it could have been like. Because I think of like chips when I think of the seaside and stuff. So maybe it could have been a coincidence. No, the, the the fact that they had all been in the room together, seeing each other's looks for a good few weeks before the break. And you can't hide a giant fish and chip cone. <laughs> like you, you really cannot hide that in Very a workroom because it's like sparkly dress, sparkly dress, bikini, bikini, wig, literal giant chip. Yeah, <laughs> gonna get noise. Suspicious. Yeah, mm. there was um on season ten. I was planning for the best drag runway, which was episode two. I was planning on um wearing this giant caution tape boa that I had made with a um kind of trash bag caution tape dress that I with it because you know that's my thing I make unconventional materials I'm sure I've so seen happened. you wear that once or something huh? similar once yeah have you worn that to a to a black girl magic before it's in the uh in the Chicago video yeah you had seen it so um but it just so happened that the first episode was an unconventional materials episode and Yuha mm -hmm. made a caution tape dress so that I was no longer allowed to wear my caution tape dress uh. <laughs> Um, but it worked out to my advantage because I ended up wearing my flame dress for the second episode and I won. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so you can't complain too much. So yeah. just, who who do you think then? Who are your predicted winners for season three and UK season two? 13 oh, yeah. and two, yeah. yeah 30, um, I don't know. Season I 5, it, I think it's going to be Taste and it's going to be Simone. I, I, could, see, I could see them in the, I could see them in the winners. <laughs> I first I um, kind of got hyper aware of taste when she was in the bottom with the bloody look oh, um, yeah. that's when mm -hmm. i first was like okay what the hell is going on um mm -hmm. and so i think even in the bottom she found a way to be iconic at the top yeah yeah and um yeah. i feel like taste is like simone like even in a mini challenge she just looks so stunning all the time like she yeah. never looks like she's in quick drag she always looks like <laughs> she's so i think the that impeccable quality is going to carry her yeah, it's amazing. Like, it's like, is it? I can't remember if it was Rue that said it. It was one of the judges. It might have been Ross, actually. If you're going to be a bottom, be a power bottom. Yeah. <laughs> she she That's was saying. absolutely like yeah. she 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 was so so much of a power bottom that she basically became a top. We've got we've got a little game to play then. So since we've okay. been on the subject of drag race, this is going to be a game themed around drag race, surprisingly enough. Um, and because our guest this week is the vixen, the game is called hashtag Too Vague. So we're going to play a little game, and it's going to be a head-to-head -head game. So it's Ooh. going to be the vixen versus one of our girl cast. And I've nominated Scott this week because, other than myself, he's the best person to go up against a drag race uh, queen for a drag race-based quiz. I mean, this now. Got a little surprise, um, because in the great tradition of RuPaul's Drag Race UK and the Repeater badges, we have customised, and I say we, I mean Michael, has customised a badge that is now a Stupita badge. <laughs> so from now onwards, if you beat the contestant we're going against, uh, this week's guest, you will win a golden Stupita badge. And it will be sent out in the post, and nobody can buy them. It is exclusive. Oh, cool. Yo, I is... posted it in the chat for us to have a quick little preview. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited. It is <laughs> super cute. Um, if you win, it'll be sent out straight away in the post to you. If you lose, we will make a version of it, but it won't be a golden one. Oh. So you will still you will still get one. So Vixen, don't worry, you're gonna get one either way. But it might be just uh, you've came on the podcast badge, and not a winner's badge. Oh. Participation, participation. Yeah. Oh yeah, participation. Yeah, the world is big on participation trophies, <laughs> just like Drag Race. <laughs> no, I was just better because I was mean. Something unlike Drag Race. <laughs> got, it's got more value because there'll be less of them. And you'll actually give it to us. That's I will actually. Yeah, you can actually <laughs> keep ours. Did you not get it? No, you hold it and then you put it back Ooh. on the shelf. <laughs> That's the biggest reveal I've ever heard. I'm devastated. You've been tomorrow. refreshing eBay for months now, haven't you, Scott? Oh yeah. my god. So the premise of this is I'm going to give you some catchphrases from Drag Race. Um, and they are going to be a little bit too vague because I'm not going to finish them. Your job is to finish that quote. I don't need to know who said it because that would go on forever. You'll have 60 seconds each 
Um, so I need someone to time. I can time. And then whoever isn't timing is keeping score. Getting limber here. I got to be ready. Um, Velvet, will you keep score? If Michael I takes shall, time, I shall. I can count up to twelve. So, I know I'm educated. Well done. <laughs> as I was, um, so as the special guest, we'll start with the vixen. Um, so what it'll be, I will give you a quote. You finish it off. If you get it right, you get a point. If you get it wrong, you don't get the point. You can skip it if you're unsure, but I don't imagine that's going to be a problem. Okay. So two, one, go. So come on, season six. Let's get sickening. Correct. Girl, look how. Fucking orange you look. Yes. I think about you all the time, especially at the bus stop. Yes. Fuck my drag. Yes. I feel very attacked. That's a lot of emotion for. Oh dear, we've had some technical difficulties here. We lost a few of the vixen's answers. She got them all right, though. Clever bitch. No tea, no shade. No pink lemonade. Yes. Brown cow. Daddy. Yes. Oh, Jesus. Gross. Yes. But your dad. Don't know it. Skip. Too vague. Boom. Hey. Ah, you're out. You're out. You're out. Um, <laughs> just for, but your dad just calls me Katya. Oh, oh, good one. Good one. Good one. That's a stunning 11 points for the Vixen. Ooh. Do you know what? That's not bad for 60 seconds. Can I just point out as well, though, that um, that's a lot of emotion for safe really threw me. Same. <laughs> but so, it I was, think that's a, the it was only one that I had moment. a pause on. <laughs> Fair enough. Right, okay. <laughs> So, have we restarted the timer? Scott, the score is 11. I'm really nervous. <laughs> Pressure's on, Scott. High stakes. Okay. There's a stew Peter badge in it for you. Yes. I can't wait. I can't wait. You better You better post pictures. They're going to be all over the internet. <laughs> <laughs> the envy of the drag race community. <laughs> Damn right. Okay. Are we ready to go? We are ready to go. Excellent. So, three, two, <sighs> one... Um, you're perfect, you're beautiful. You look like Linda Evangelista. Yes, you're a model. I, I'd like to... Uh, keep it on, please. Yes. The shade, the shade. Of it all? Yes. If it ain't green... I ain't smoking it. Nope. No, I ain't interested. Interested, oh, shit. The key to a swollen vagina is... Courage. Yes. <laughs> Opulence. I own everything. Nope, you earn I... everything. <laughs> Jesus is a biscuit. Let him stop you up. Yes, at least I am a showgirl, bitch. Go back to Party City where you belong. Yes, well, come on, Tilly Tubby. Teleport me to Mars. <laughs> I'm Roxy Andrews. And I'm here to make it clear. Yes. Is the... Pardon? Is the... Next. Attitude check. Fuck you, bitch. <laughs> yes, there's always time for... Too vague. Aww. We'll let you have the last seconds. one. Oh, 60 seconds. Close, close. If you hadn't have got that wrong, it's a stunning 10 points for Scott. Oh. Oh, so Vixen is the first winner of the Stu Peter badge. Oh. Amazing. Oh. Vixen, I'm you'll so get your sick. golden badge in the post. Scott, you'll get your runners-up badge in the post. <laughs> we'll chuck it at you from a moving vehicle. <laughs> if... if that was a very good effort, though. Um, the one, the ones you missed, to be fair, weren't bad. Um, opulence, you got one one word wrong, yeah. so it's not that bad. Yeah. And if it ain't green, I ain't interested. Oh, what was the other one that I skipped? Is that something on my face? Oh, oh. that one, that one is too vague. That question was too vague. <laughs> I told you, I told you the game was too vague. You know what? I, that was just good luck that I got because I don't mm -hmm. know if I would have gotten all of the ones you did. So that's good. I think what the vixen is saying is, Stu, out of a gesture of goodwill, I should also get a gold Stu. No, no too vague. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not RuPaul. This is not All Stars. We are not having a double crowning. What I was saying is that the odds are ever in my face. And yet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Bitch, call you Katniss Everdeen. Scott, you may get, you will get another chance in the future. It's going to be a weekly no. competition. Yes, that was the game. Uh, well done, Vixen. I will, well, I won't. Michael will send you your customized golden stupid badge in the post. What else do we have uh, to talk about? I'm having such a good time, y'all. so fun. It's cute. <laughs> <laughs> 
honestly, this is this is literally the third episode we've recorded after about a year's worth of break, and it's just really fun to be back. To be yeah. honest, yeah. I mean, so, we gen we generally would like <coughs> gather around the table, and I would make about fifty million coffees while we did it. <laughs> so that's the only thing that's really different. <laughs> I, I'm really liking Still having the webcams on today because I'm living for just watching you, Scott. Like your reactions so you're not, to everything. You're not even here. I need to buy one. I need to get a webcam yeah. so we can see your face. No, it's called um, Zaddy for a reason. I had that nickname thrust upon me. Like, <laughs> no, no. Is that not how you like it, Zaddy Bear? <laughs> well, did you know, though, that a Zaddy is uh, an old, uh, not necessarily an older gay man, but uh, an older gay man than like a twink? Um, and mm-hmm. they're financially successful, but cool and hip, apparently. So yeah. there you go. I mean, it's I'll a moderately take, take accurate the description. I'll take the compliment, but. <laughs> Whether I agree with it or not is different. <laughs> I can think of worse stuff. You have you have twink, bunk, mm-hmm. zaddy, daddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Pokemon. Pokemon. It's yeah. <laughs> and I think it's clear that I'm obviously the twink of the group. <laughs> I think somewhere between twink and twunk. Come on, Tom. I don't think I was ever a twink. Ever. I definitely yeah. was never a twink. No. People I think are, I missed that. Especially missed like with um, OnlyFans now, I've seen people refer to me as a twink, and I'm like, I am way too surly to be a twink. Twinks are like <laughs> happy and I, I think twinks an attitude, whereas a lot of people see it as just a physique. They just kind of go like, oh, well, you know, you're not a bear, therefore you must be a twink. Well, I think people try to put themselves into a box because they want to have a place to belong, mm. and yeah. then they get territorial about their box. Um, OnlyFans has been really, really cool. Uh, so it started with me having just an alt Twitter that was like for my boy self, um, which was really fun because it kind of gave people a chance to, you know, see me outside of the Vixen and um, just kind of see me as a real person. Because, mm. um, you know, I think, it, like, love me or hate me, I think people see Vixen as like this like deity ideal and like, and it's like a, a loaded word almost. It's like you say Vixen, oh, you're that Vixen. Oh, okay. And so you have all of these preconceptions. And when you see Tony, you kind of um, can come to it with new eyes. Um, still the same bitch, but you can see new eyes. <laughs> and so uh, it's been really fun to just have a place to express myself as male for really the first time since I was like 23. And even then I was like so androgynous. So to um, kind of like really like lean into my cis maleness for the first time has been kind of fun plus uh, the coin's cute and the coin is cute yeah <laughs> it's, and it's also you know drag queens i think a lot of time don't get seen as sexual beings mm-hmm. and so um kind of be under them under the male gaze again and to be under um to be considered a sexual person you know um is really thrilling uh but it has had like its own drawbacks. Now I'm in the gym because I've been under the male gaze yeah. so much that I'm, <laughs> that I'm critiquing my body in ways that I never have. <laughs> but to be fair, it, it doesn't matter what your body type is because as long as you're happy with yourself and bitches are still paying for it, so... Yeah. Well, I, uh, so when I heard like about queens having OnlyFans, this is me, and I don't think I'm a naive person at all, but I 100% thought that they were like, oh, like, so Alaska and Willem did one for the podcast where they were only fans doing podcasty stuff, and that's what I thought it was. I didn't realise that it was, like, um, like naked and, like, expression. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, they've probably just gone on there to do, like, tutorials and stuff on a different platform. Yeah. So. I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> easier. <laughs> is it- oh, no. So I was actually the first Rue Girl to start an OnlyFans. Um, really? Yeah, and it's really because I, I was looking for an excuse to start an OnlyFans. I, oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had kind of been flirting with the idea for the past um, year in 2019. I've been talking it over with my friends, and they're like, oh, don't do it. You know, like, you might want to be president one day. And I'm like, I don't think I do. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, and so then once um, everything shut down, I was like, well, you guys, I have to start an OnlyFans. I have to make income. But I really just was, like, itching to show my dick around. <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> 
And if you can get paid for it as well, rather than a nude leaking, and be like, right, I'm going to take this into control. Yeah, and if, you want, if you're nudes leak, it could be any old nude. So I'm like, let's yeah. put out the good ones put first. Put the good shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Curate that, those dick pics. That's the yeah. thing. If, you, if you've if you put it up, the only ones that are going to leak are if people share them for your OnlyFans. So it's going to be the ones that you've had full control over with good lighting. Yeah. And I think yeah. the fact that you started it has been a good inspiration because it's broke the stigma of, oh, I, I was on TV. What are people going to think? Who cares? It's your body. It's your life. Like, Sasha Bell or Frisbee Jenkins, as she's yeah. now. Well, like, before I was worried about, I was like, well, I don't want my news to leak because I want to get on Drag Race. Or I was like, mm. I'm on Drag Race, so I'm worried that my news are going to leak. But now yeah. that I've done that, and I'm definitely not going to do it again, then, mm. you know, like, yeah. let's have at it. Uh, I mean, um, once and- one picture's out there, it's out there, isn't it? Like, they're, they're going to be seen. If, if another one leaks, they've already seen it. Yeah, and um, for me, it's like, you know, especially I think we're at an age now where, you know, all of these brew girls have done it. And mm-hmm. so even like if like Sasha Bell was to go on Drag Race for All Stars or something, people yeah. would be like, be like a plot point in her storyline. You'd be like, oh, and she also yeah. has it. It would be make it more marketable. And, um, exactly. Which it yeah. should, because why Why wouldn't it? Like the thing is, every single season, people get rated as the trade of the season. So there is some level of sexualization anywhere. Yeah. And most of the people that watch it then go online and they're like, oh, can I find these pictures? Yeah. It's like, no, but you can pay for them. Right, so you can, exactly. Yeah. You know, if and you want to see this person into... in that context... Yeah, we get put into such um, lady-like uh, patriarchal boxes because the mm-hmm. audience is so young and so female. So then we um, kind of get expected to, you know, be on our best behavior in this way. But, you know, by and large, and through no falls of our, our own, most of the cast is, you know, grown men who are sexual beings. And so it's um, kind of unfair for us to be expected to live these lives as eunuchs. And so yeah. it's good to... Good to be able to, you know, lean into your sexy. Damn right, and I mean, so no, you should. It's been so, so empowering, like to see so many people like starting up like OnlyFans, and the fact that this isn't this is a conversation we can have now, rather than it being just like, oh well, you don't talk about that. Like, you know, we're British. Like the idea, like sex wasn't invented for us until like was it the, was it the forties? Was it the forties yeah. we brought sex in? Before then, we had the stork coming round, and but then the storks yeah. unionized, and it was a nightmare, and we're still a bit iffy about it. So it's great that people can do that and and especially under lockdown it's like it's been a source yeah. of income for a lot of people because what is it for an only fans can you charge whatever you want or is it like sort of a you can charge whatever or... you want yeah yeah so it's the idea of like that's good if you have like a hundred people supporting you paying like five quid or a ten or a month then yeah that'll yeah. pay your bills yeah and it's good because like everybody has a different experience on drag race so if you're not like a fan favorite but you know you still have you know, you might be the trade of the season. You know, for me, it, there's a lot of people who might not have liked me on Drag Race, but they want to see what I'm working with. <laughs> <laughs> how did you, um, so uh, kind of a two-part question. First, how did you feel, so when you when you first made your OnlyFans and obviously putting yourself out there, and like you said, drag queens typically don't get seen as a sexual being. So kind of taking that control back and putting yourself out there and putting yourself under the male gaze, especially with a platform already? Did you have anxiety levels about it? Were you stressed about it? And what was the general reaction when you started to get subscribers in? And how did that make you feel? Yeah, it was kind of, um, it was kind of like a leap of faith. I was like, this is something that I wanted to do because I, you know, I like my body. I know what I'm working with. And I was like, um, I think people will like it. Um, And so it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to rip the bandaid and I'm going to do it. Uh, so that was invigorating. And then to actually like see the numbers go up really fast and um, to see different porn sites and things like kind of make articles about me and stuff was like, oh, this is a fun new enterprise. Um, so it was very exciting. And then different YouTubers started making video critiques of Rue Girls with OnlyFans pages. And I was like, and we're back in hell. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> like toot a boot, but for dick a slip. What? Which is like for me, that was that was the first triggering experience. I was like, you know, um, because historically I don't have a good reputation with YouTubers, so I was very worried about that. And it was like the last thing I want is for you know like fifteen year old girls to be scrutinizing my body on YouTube. Um, and so uh, that was troubling, but they've all been good reviews, so I'm okay with it now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doesn't she do like a series where it's like, I bought X, Y, and Z 
OnlyFans so you don't have to or something like that. Right, which is, and that's the most upsetting part, so you don't have to. No, 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 let's not put that energy out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's her personal opinion. What she's into is not what everyone else is into. Right, and you're not even a gay male, so it's really not... It That's wasn't marketing for you in the first yeah. place. Yeah. You don't follow my demographic, dear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, Seventh Circle of Hell, Alaska and Willem started critiquing other Rue Girls. So now you have Rue Girls critiquing other Rue Girls oh, uh, OnlyFans. I'm like, okay, get me the fuck out of here. But um, <laughs> <laughs> if they critique yeah. it and they hype it, it's going to get you some more money. So yeah, even so, if people are, even if people subscribe for a month because they're curious, that's dollar in your pocket for a month. Yeah, yeah. any publicity so I, is good so publicity. I, so I, I took I took it in stride and I filmed it and I, um, <laughs> I let it go. I was like, you know, this is the business is what it does. And luckily, I've only gotten good reviews. I um, you know, I I'm very generous with my content. I put out a lot, and so no one's had anything back to say. Well, thank you very much for coming onto the show, The Vixen. Thank you. Thank you. It was so fun. And thanks for, you know, showing us your new album. Yeah, thanks for talking about it with me. I'm like, I haven't, you know, it's tough uh, promoting online and through COVID, you're not able to tour and like perform it the way that I want. So it's good to be able to talk about it. Thank you. Everyone should stream Commercial Break, Um, you know, preferably buy it. If you've got the dollar, you know, support, support everyone, drag artists, regular queer folk. If you can't, I know personally it's on Spotify, it's on iTunes or wherever good music is. I'm guessing you'd want to promote your OnlyFans? Yeah, you can. um, If you're a little bit curious, you can follow me on Twitter at at Tony Untucked. And if you're extra, extra curious, you can go to OnlyFans.com slash Untucked Tony. Just writing that down. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's Tony with a Y. Michael, have you so, got anything to promote? Yeah, so um, as always, girl sponsored by Bad Wear Day, queer clothing for LGBT and everyone else under our umbrella. We also still have Elite Drag launching sometime this year. We haven't got an exact rele- release date, but that is also coming as well. And also, we've taken the old. Bad Wear Day blog, and we've revamped it into girlnews.com, so you can go there for all of the interviews oh. and spotlight highlights by our very own Thotter Stew. <laughs> Entertainment umbrella girls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also contributed by the wonderful Lady D and the beautiful Downton Abbey Scott. Do you know what? And... You, can, you can just call us Scott. But... No, never. No. no. <laughs> Absolutely never. And also that, that Velvet Snatch creature, I think she she's going to be contributing to sometimes. Maybe. You know? When I've learned how to write, you know. <laughs> maybe maybe Velcro. Get Velcro involved. Baby steps. Baby steps. <laughs> can I also say that you can, um, if you want to get a Vixen t shirt or go have your cigarette bitch t shirt or a too vague t shirt, you can go to shop.thevixensworld.com and you can get some merch. Absolutely. Hey. Anything you can promote, promote it, girl. Get that coin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. coin. This is COVID times. Uh-huh. And as usual, I have to promote thevelvetsnatch.com, which will link you to my YouTube channel because I'm old and still think that TikTok is a character from Return to Oz. <laughs> I, I, I tried. Ivy was telling me that I need to start doing a TikTok, and I opened it up, and then it immediately showed me Ant and Deck, and I was just like, oh, God, do I have to use this? Do I? Turn off. Really? Turn off. You know, so I smashed my phone. Now, you know. Well, thank you, oh, everyone who's tuned in for this episode. It's been a lot of fun, and thank you very much for the Vixen for being our delightful guest. Thank, yeah, thank you. you so much for thank coming you. on. Thank you. Yeah, it's so yeah, fun. Thank you very much. <laughs> right. Amazing. See you all later. Goodbye. Bye. 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 I've had it officially. Officially. <laughs> officially. <laughs>